There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ. Paul's saying there's no racial differences, no gender differences um, toward inheritance or status. Women didn't have an inheritable status. Um, they do in the Old Testament at one point because of the, a story I actually wrote about today called Zelophehad's Daughters. Are you familiar with that story at the end of the book of Numbers? This, um, out in the desert during the Exodus, they had that 40-year sojourn where they're, and, and because they had rejected the spies' um, report, everybody over 20 is going to die in the desert. Well, one of the people over 20 is a guy named Zelophehad from the tribe of Manasseh. And he dies with five daughters and no sons. So who inherits his property? And the daughters come to Moses and say, who inherits his property? You know, should, should we get it or does it have to go to somebody else? And Moses goes and asks the Lord and the Lord said, what the daughters of, of Zelophehad had say is right. They should inherit. And God, right on the spot, comes up with these laws about if a man dies with no son, the daughters inherit. And if there are no daughters, then his brothers and then it, and, it, and there's this whole little chain then of, of of who gets it, and finally the tribe, whatever tribe he's from, decides if they if they if they if the relationship gets too distant, then that's kind of all of a sudden it's everybody else in the tribe, so the tribe just the tribal head will just decide, but the daughters can get it. Well, at the end of the book of Numbers, um, I've been writing devotions on Numbers, and tomorrow I finish actually, so I'll be in a New Testament book after that. But Zelophehad's daughters come back and say, you know, what you just said, because Moses has just laid out who gets what property in the land of Canaan. They're almost there. And um, the daughters come and say, well, if we marry outside the tribe, we're losing the inheritance of the tribe. You know, so I'll just call her Betty. If she marries a guy from, say, Judah, then the land that should have been from the tribe of Manasseh goes to Judah. So what the Lord says is, you're right. you got to marry within your tribe. So that's the solution. You, 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 can, remarry, you can marry, but it has to be within the, the tribe so that the, the allotment of the land, the 12 tribes of Israel, will remain the 12 tribes of Israel until the Savior comes. That's what the, that's what the whole point was. But under Greek law... Greek women couldn't inherit anything. You know, a, a Greek, a male Greek servant had a better chance of inheriting from his master than the, than the guy's daughters had. Because that's, that's the way their culture went. Same with, with Rome. Um, but Paul is saying not, but in, in Christianity, there are no differences. So uh, Jew, Gentile, slave, free, male, female, all those differences, you're, we're all one in Christ. And we all inherit as if we are the heirs. Every one of us is like the firstborn son with regard to what do we get from God. That's verse 29. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That was a radical point. How could a woman, a Gentile, a slave be an heir? Because we are all heirs in Christ. This is a new way of thinking about things. 
Um, and yet, I know this is the end of the chapter, because this is always on Paul's mind, but you Galatians are in danger of giving all that up. You're, 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 you're losing your grip on Christ. So, all right. I want to tear through chapter 4, if that's okay. All righty. So God sent his son. What I'm saying is this. As long as the heir is a young child, so like within, in Greek law, if the heir is a little boy, um, he's no different from a slave. Although he's the owner of everything, he's still under guardians. Remember that I called him a paedagogus, uh, the, the guy who leads the kid around by the hand? He's still under guardians and managers until the day set by his father. So the guy who leads the little toddler around later will be that kid's slave. But for now, he's in charge of the kid. If the kid gets out of hand, he whacks the kid, you know, or whatever in, the, in their culture. But one day, he's, he also has to remember, well, one day, though, he's going to get to whack me, so maybe I should cool it. Some slaves got that, some slaves didn't get it. So also, when we were younger children, we were enslaved under the basic principles of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son to be born of a woman so that he would be born under the law in order to redeem those under the law so we would be adopted as sons. This is actually a Christmas text. Born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts to shout, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave but a son. And if you were a son, then you are also an heir of God through Christ. So the, the concept of being an heir means that everything that anybody gets from God, we all get. There are no uh, divisions of the, of, the, of the blessings of eternal life. There are degrees of blessing in heaven, but I'm not worried about that because you three will be sitting at a higher level than me, and I'm okay with that. I'm just <laughs> delighted that we'll all be there. Um, remember, those who are going to be teachers, James says, will be judged more severely. So I, I don't say that lightly, you know. Paul's concern for the Gentiles, formerly when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, why are you turning back again to the basic principles that are weak and miserable? Do you want to be enslaved by them all over again? Again, there's that mental idea of just about falling off the cliff. You're giving it all up, you Galatians. You carefully observe days, months, seasons, and years I'm fearful about you that somehow my labor for you was wasted. Why does he say days, months, seasons, years? What's he talking about? It's either Jewish or pagan festivals. The Jews had every day a special sacrifice, twice a day, morning and evening sacrifice. So there was a lamb twice a day. Um, there was a monthly sacrifice called the New Moon Celebration, a lot of things happen at new moon celebrations. I think a lot of weddings, a lot of partying. Um, certain people brought thank offerings to new moon celebrations. It's also when people went, where, where it, I, I don't have the passage memorized, but people went to the, to the prophets to consult prophets on, at the new moon. I don't, I don't know why, but they did. And then the seasons would be the times of the year when we have certain, like, 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 um, 
Passover, Pentecost, and so forth, those seasons, and then the years, of course. Um, I beg you, brothers, become like me, for I also became like you. You did me no harm. You know that because of a weakness in the flesh, I preached the gospel to you for the first time. That verse 13 is about Paul's original trip among the Galatians. How did he get to the Galatians in the first place? He didn't try. It was, for some reason, Paul was sick, some weakness in the flesh, and it seems like he got carried up to Galatia, up into the highlands, because something was going on. And some people think he had malaria down on the coastline. And because of that, they, they, they said, well, get him, out of the, get him out of the coast. They carried him up into Galatia, you know, a, a, you know, 40 miles away or whatever. And uh, that's why he got to Lystra and Derby and so forth. Um, and you did not despise or disdain the test my flesh gave you, Instead, you welcomed me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. Um, remember the word angel means messenger? So, yeah, messenger of God, angel of God. In Revelation, um, do you know what, what John is saying? When Jesus says to the angel of the church of Lystra, to the angel of the church of Thyatira and so forth, those angels in that context are probably pastors, messenger of those churches. So, the seven churches. So where is this blessed attitude of yours now? Yes, I can say for a fact that if it were possible, you would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me. So then have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? I know verse 15 is a little out of left field. Plucked out your eyes. Well, that also is, is often thought to be a reference to Paul maybe having had malaria. That... One of the after effects with certain kinds of malaria is a temporary blindness. And that if they could have, they would have given him anything, even given him their own eyes to have, to have healed him. Now, some modern skeptical commentators have thought, well, that doesn't happen very often with malaria, but it does happen sometimes with malaria. And maybe it did happen to Paul. And certainly this verse is hard to understand unless that's what he's talking about. Some ailment he got down south. He got brought up to them for a reason up in the highland and in the interior and something about his eyes. So maybe, maybe. That thing about his eyes could also relate to something in 2 Corinthians where you're, you're aware that Paul says that he had a thorn in the flesh. It, it, did it have, have to do with his eyes maybe? Or his eye, or bad eyesight or something like that? Those people are eager to win you over, but not in a good way. Rather, they want to alienate you so that you will be eager for them. But it's always a good thing to have someone to have someone eager in a good way, not just when I am present with you. So my children, I am suffering birth pains for you again until Christ is formed in you. How intense are birth pains? <laughs> the doctor that Kath and I had for our first two sons, the same baby doctor, uh, was a woman who had herself just had a baby. And she told us, John, this is for you, oh boy. that in her case at least, she thought that having a root canal was more painful than childbirth. And my wife said, I'm not sure about that. Uh, uh, and so there was a difference of opinion there. But maybe in the same realm, except that root canal only lasts... You know, at most 20 minutes. 
and the pains of childbirth go on for hours and sometimes a day you know so there's there's that issue also um many many wise women have said the reason that women go through what they go through in birth and the pains of childbirth is because there is not one man on earth who could endure it <laughs> so <laughs> Men, men, if men had babies, the, the, there would be no babies. Yeah. Um, so Paul says, I wish I were present with you now and could change my tone because I am perplexed about you. I'm confused. And now he gets into this illustration, which is the point of our chapter, the two mothers, Hagar and Sarah. And recognize what is their relationship they were both wives of Abraham. Hagar had been Sarah's slave girl. Sarah was told she's going to have a son, but she looks at in the mirror and looks at her birth certificate and says, I'm way too old to be having babies here. And so she gives her young slave girl to, to Abraham and says, sleep with her and Abraham. If Sarah had said, go find a second wife, I mean, would Abraham have taken Sarah's Slave girl? Probably not. You know, why not go and, I mean, Sarah was a princess. Why not go and find a princess of, say, the Philistines? Because he had a really good relationship with them. He had lived among them for a while. Or the Hittites. All of his buddies were Hittites. Go find a princess. But instead, Abraham says, yes, dear. When his wife says, this is the one I want you to sleep with. So, oh, yes, dear. Um, tell me. You who want to be under the law, are you really listening to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and one by the free woman. And that's the comparison. However, the son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh. But the son by the free woman was born through a promise. These things can be used as an illustration. The, the actual Greek word here is allegory. It's one of the only times that word actually occurs in the Bible. Because an allegory is where you lay two things side by side and, and compare them. Um, but it's a, it's a danger. We never make an allegory out of the Bible. Out of anything. But here Paul says this can be taken figuratively or like an allegory. But he, he wants us to understand that actually happened. Abraham, Sarah, Hagar, those people actually lived. That's, that, that's not like a fable. They actually took place. I'm just gonna, Paul says I'm just going to use them in a, in a comparative way. So the, namely, the, two, the women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children to slavery. That's Hagar. You see this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and she corresponds to present-day Jerusalem because Jerusalem is in slavery along with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free. She is our mother, for it is written, Rejoice, barren woman who does not give birth. Break forth and shout for joy. Woman, this is Isaiah 54, woman who does not suffer birth pains because the barren woman has more children than does the woman who has a husband. Now, you brothers, like Isaac, are children of the promise. But just as back then the one who was born according to the flesh persecuted the one who was born according to the spirit, so this is also the case now. So um, Ishmael, Hagar's son, was I'm going to say 13, when by the time that, uh, that uh, Isaac is born. And when he sees 
Sarah, that this ancient woman nursing an infant, he mocks them. That's what this persecution is. He's making fun of them. Ha ha, isn't that hilarious? And so forth. And it probably did look odd, you know. But what does the scripture say? Throw out the slave woman and her son, because the son of the slave woman will certainly not receive the inheritance with the son of the free woman. That's Genesis 21. The Lord told Abraham, whatever Sarah says, do. Sarah said she goes, and God said she goes. Sarah's the wife. Sarah says she goes, she goes. Um, for the same reason, brothers, um, we are not children of a slave woman, but of the free woman. So Sarah got the child, got Isaac by the promise. He, he's the miracle baby of the Old Testament. How could he possibly be born? But God said he'll be born and he was born. So had God somehow preserved, I suppose we would say an egg in Sarah, she had one last um, ovulation and got pregnant. Um, but how is that possible? Abraham is 99. Sarah, therefore, is 89. You know, my dad is 83. I am trying to think if dad and his wife got pregnant again seven years from now, you know, that's what we're talking about. And, and uh, I, I, I especially think that before the flood, aging was practically not a thing. You know, for one thing, we see Eve still cranking out the babies at 130. That's, wow. You know, um, I, I, I was thinking about this the other day, and I told a catechism class this. I never said this out loud before. I, I, I really wonder if in, in the case of Eve, you know, a woman is born with a finite number of eggs. You know, that's just how many eggs she has. I, 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 I seriously think that God didn't let any of them go to waste. All of Eve's eggs became people, children. Yeah, that, that Eve used all of them. And maybe with many of the women born in that time. A, a, a while ago, I had a question that no math teacher could answer. <laughs> I, 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 I wondered, when Seth was born, and, and when Adam and Eve were 130, Seth is born, and I wondered how many babies, how, many, how big was the population of the world? Um, and so I asked the right woman, finally, I asked Ray Frederick, who teaches math up at MLC now. At the time, she was I think she was still teaching at, where was she, in the, in the cities? Was she at, what is the, the Wells High School in the cities? West or St. Croix? St. Croix. Yeah. I think that's where she was. Ray said, well, what are the criteria? And I said, well, let's, let's, let's do this conservatively. Let's say that um, there were no twins. Let's remove, you know, the wild card stuff out of here. Let's say that no woman began to actually start to have babies until she was 18, because I think they probably started earlier than that, but let's just say it was 18. Let's say that they have boy, then girl, then boy, then girl. So, you know, no, we're not going to mix things up, just a regular pattern of genders. And let's say that the... Um, that there's always going to be two years, a fallow year in between every child, which I think is probably also not the case. But let's just be conservative. And we got to have some kind of a number. You know, otherwise, who knows what it's going to be. And she came out with this number, which actually, I don't know if I can get to it in my computer right now. Maybe I can. Do we have time for me to do this quick? Um, I have it in here in my Genesis notes. 
the 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 amazing numbers she came up with. In a, in a in 130 years, because every girl would have married a brother at 18 and begun the pattern again, you know, and so and you so it's a slow thing. But wow, does that bell curve go up sharply? Well, Abraham Abraham is allowed to marry his sister. Sarah is Abraham's half sister. When Jacob and Esau are around, uh, Esau does marry one woman who is close. She's a second cousin. But then by the time of Moses, the the laws come into place and no more. Um, and, and, and then God gives these specific criteria for who you can't marry. So they're, they're called the, um, the uh, sanguine laws. Who's, who's too close in blood to get married to, which actually we still follow today. Most American U.S. states follow this, the law, the, those sanguine laws. Okay. Ray, oh, this is, this is interesting. Ray, Rachel sent me this February 1st, 2010. Uh, Adam and Eve, in the year 130, now have 66 children, 32 of which are daughters. So you're just going every other year like that. 784 grandchildren, 4,600 great-grandchildren, 13,300 great-great-grandchildren, 17,000 great-great-greats. That's the, that's the big number. Then they have 8,008 great-great-great-greats. That's four greats. 660 fifth-greats and one great-great-great-great-great-great-granddaughter born in the year 130, just like her great-great-great-great-great-great-uncle, whose name is Seth. And that leaves, if you subtract Abel, who has been murdered, right? You end up with 36,548 people in the 130th year. God said, have babies, and babies they had. Yeah, yeah. So I never, I had never found a math teacher who would even attempt it. Philip Wells tried for a while and said, I, I think I'm missing part of the equation or whatever. So with Rachel, I was very specific and, and she went ahead. And so I, I knew it was under 40,000, but it's 36,500 or so. That's a lot of people. And, uh, and Cain uh, in that time frame is building a city. And you wonder why? Well, everybody on earth was the blood avenger of Abel. That was the thing. He could be killed by anyone. And he even says that to the Lord. Anyone who finds me will kill me. And he's exactly right. Because we're all, well, we're all related to Uncle Abel and you killed him, Uncle Cain. So they, everybody could have killed him. I, um, I lost my place, but I believe that that ended our chapter. Um, so we'll pick it up at chapter 5 then next time. And just let me end with the, 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 the benediction. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.